Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And today we have a full house. We've got everyone. We got we got queens. We got jacks. We got kings. And we may even have a joker. So, uh, gents, how you guys doing? Uh, uh. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but on the bright side, you could two could at least read the story, right? That you had that... <laughs> of course, oh, exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on pete uh, um i i've only just memorized the buttons on this computer um i can't read i can speak though <laughs> all right and we're gonna be uh i mean obviously we're doing a little bit of a bit uh because we're gonna be discussing uh 1983's speech sounds by octavia butler and Pete, this was a recommendation from you. And hello, Pete. Welcome hello. back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you want me to rap about that or where are you at? Yeah, no, I mean, to, to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, like, like this was this was the story that you wanted to do. Um, and we we read it mm-hmm. um, and it's very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, not. Yeah, Not that that should be a, any surprise. So why did uh, tell us a little bit about when did Pete read speech sounds and why did you choose this one? Sure. Um, I read speech sounds in about 1986 or seven. Mm, uh, not- it came out in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say it was life changing because I was definitely the same nerd afterwards as I was before, <laughs> but it struck me extremely hard. Um, I, it, it's, it's very difficult when you're dealing with Octavia Butler because, uh, nobody has any argument that she isn't an absolutely brilliant author. Like I've never heard anyone go, eh, that, that just didn't work for me. I'm sure there's that guy, but I've, I've never had that discussion, mm-hmm. but she's also one of two authors. People will bring up who are African-American when you talk about science fiction, mm. it's her and Samuel Delaney. Mm. And so I'm always in this weird position where like we originally started talking about MLK and we didn't do speech sounds for MLK. And I think one of the reasons we didn't, besides there was something more current we wanted to do, which is a really good move, is that yeah, like it's it's people always pull Octavia Butler out of a hat when you're talking about African-American science fiction authors. And that is both fair and unfair. It's mm-hmm. fair in that she's freaking brilliant i mean like i i cannot think like she's got to be in my top three but she's also the only one everybody pulls out of their hat and there's a problem with that yeah it's it's definitely it definitely feels like she's been tokenized to a certain extent yeah yeah and like i have no idea whether you wanted to talk about this at all carlo but like i've been stewing over it and you know we we've well like uh spread throughout our our conversations over weeks there's been a word here and there and it's it's been bugging me so thanks for indulging me no go ahead okay i mean uh so so i guess what is that word (laughs) now you got me now you got you got a mystery on our hands oh what what is that word i'm sorry you you said that that there was a word coming up uh in in the in Oh, over the 
What what I meant is like the everything that I just spat out of my mouth has been sort of talked around one or two words at a time over the course of the last few Uh, years. mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay, my mistake. And so it's it's like we've never really had this conversation except unless if you took everything we talked about and we boiled it, we we did this. (laughs) But what's what's interesting though, what's interesting though at, at the same time is so I'll say that. I'm a very stupid man in a lot of respects, or at least in a lot of respects, I'm a, I, I'm a very unthoughtful man. And and so I don't think I've ever actually read Octavia Butler before. And what's funny is I, I, I knew in my head that this was an Octavia Butler story, but I was also just kind of like just just reading it. And mm-hmm. and it occurs to like like I, I wasn't I wasn't reading it through the lens of this being an Octavia Butler story for whatever reason I was just like okay I got to read this and you know I sat down and I read it. I was like okay you know like that was good and I think the frustrating thing is as you say you know she she's a very good author she's a very good writer judging by this one piece that that I read of hers and I you know I, I have more in depth thoughts on the piece itself and of course the the act of tokenizing someone also makes it harder to actually just like appreciate the writing mm-hmm. because you can only ever because you, you only ever wind up talking about them in that in that context yeah iconography um, yeah and and it's like well no like you know like it it's it does a disservice to her as a writer as well, I think, you know, well, I, I think, yeah, I think that the, the problem is that then it becomes, you know, capital I, capital P, uh, or, or, or a capital I important piece, you know, and okay. It, Spell important. The virus is already attacking me. <laughs> Sorry. You know, when I first read the story, I read it on a, a city bus. Ooh. Oh no! It is the worst <laughs> where, where, place to read this story. Exactly. Because that's the opening scene. Yeah. Um, hey, so, hey. I don't no, know if I'm you guys sorry. had had it on the, the version you read, but there was like some like afterward comments from Octavia mm-hmm. Butler. Yes. Yeah, she she said she uh, first had the idea on a bus too, so it's it's that's a very circular way to go about reading that story, Pete. <laughs> well, and she she's I mean that uh, she's such a person of the city too, like going to buses everywhere, didn't want to hang out with people, mm-hmm. was one of those people who worked 40 jobs. By, like, in a, in a lot of ways, you take a look at her at her CV, and it's like, this could be just about any author with hustle. You know what I mean? Like, she mm-hmm. checks yeah. all the boxes, which I don't have any hustle, so it impresses me. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> not, 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 not that I'm agreeing that you don't have hustle. I'm saying I don't have hustle as well. <laughs> No, I got well, you. So yeah, so so Pete uh, went radical, uh, radically decided to really immerse himself in the story. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, the gonna, there's not going to be any. There's nothing that's going to suspend my disbelief. Pete said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so so uh, I guess we should probably uh, g- give a, a brief synopsis, like uh, basically. Um, we we open as we were just talking about uh with our main character rai um uh just being on a bus and a fight breaks out and it's i think it's not immediately clear but it becomes more and more clear as the 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 scene plays out that there's something wrong right that the the 
the the fight isn't happening with words or anything like that. They're just sort of grunting at each other, and and then they when they reach the limit of their vocalization, um, they just you know they they start speaking the language of fists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know basically she she has to have, you know leave the bus. She's she's on her way. It becomes clear that she's uh you know on the bus to go visit uh family members in Pasadena mm-hmm. uh because you know she you know she's checking up on them to see if finally she's able to find them again and what their fate has been you know with with a a basically a speech eradicating well not just speech but mostly speech eradicating uh virus basically uh, attacks the world and uh there are certain people that can't speak and rai herself it becomes clear that she can not read she can speak fine and is articulate and all that good stuff can, uh can i make a ahead. comment here this is this it. is a frighteningly plausible disease because, hmm. I mean, the idea of disconnecting from language is one of the most basic effects of a stroke. Mm-hmm. And so any disease that had like a, 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 a blood reduction effect to the brain, I mean, it something like this could happen. Oh, just just wait till COVID-20, Pete. <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah, sorry. Not not to be a big bummer. It's just like that's one of the one of the things about the story that's well, two things scare the bejesus out of me here. It's like one, losing the ability to communicate. I would rather be blind. Mm-hmm. And two, that it's very difficult. Like often you read like I, I love reading uh, zombie novels, for example. And one of the reasons I love them is because, like, I can immerse myself in it and step out at any time. Mm. And I don't feel like it's as easy to step out of this one. Like, I, I, I you know, it, I don't believe it's happening, but I do believe it could happen. So, yeah, yeah. Can we circle back on that? Yeah, yeah, uh, sorry. Re- remind, I, I, no, no. Re- remind me in a bit, Pete. I want to put a pin in that because uh, I, I think – Something that I was thinking about, it, it, you know, is sort of at least joins with part of what you're talking about, right? You got um, it, man. So, um, so basically, she has to leave the bus. She runs across uh, someone who she supposes na- is named Obsidian mm-hmm. because he shows her like uh, off a pendant. He's he's wearing on a necklace. He shows her like a piece of a, of you know very dark rock and mm-hmm. she figures it's obsidian so that's his name um it's, yeah it, it well or, or just it's interesting that um like that wasn't a neat touch of like um people using kind of like sigils as a way to mm-hmm. communicate their their like name with each other um right, right. like, like yeah. She, she yeah like she she uses a a pin that's a piece of wheat and she's like well it's supposed to be rye but everybody's probably calling me wheat in their heads but that's okay well this is to to, to put an to put an even finer point on it and this is what i think is so well thought through about the story it's not that it's not even exactly that she's using a piece of wheat to 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 represent her name or that he's using uh, you know a piece of black rock to represent obsidian she also guesses it could be rock or peter i like that by the way did, did you catch that the, the uh, yeah, peter yeah. G- greek uh pater rock um 
but um, in effect, their names are black. Like, like their, their names are a like 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 what Chris said, s- sigils. Her name mm-hmm. is a pin in the shape of a stalk of wheat. His name is a little black rock. It's not be- because they've they've lost that ability to like directly translate you know the symbolic meaning of things so it, like it may as well just be as, in, in in a world where people many people can no longer speak or write or read his name is just black rock essentially it's it's not even like oh bl- black rock which means rock because again remember a lot of the most of the people can't speak anyway so mm-hmm. it's it's irrelevant what the actual word is it's just this this black rock is it equals him yes i thought that that was very well thought through well unfortunately these two people are a bad example of of the very accurate point that you're making <laughs> because well, well they're, I, they're 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 both partial effects mm-hmm. yeah well yes and no because uh, right right like like one of the things that i think that the story highlights and i'm sorry carlo i'm hijacking i'm just doing it i'm going with it whatever <laughs> is that they can never really get into each other's heads because we find out that he can read and write, but not speak. She cannot read or write, but can speak. And he can't, he can't <laughs> understand if she were to speak, he wouldn't be able to understand anyway. Yes. So he, he carries a badge, right? He carries, he carries a badge. I mean, it literally she carries, carries a, a badge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. They, they both do actually. <laughs> but but the, the, the point that I was going to make is the, the fact that the, the fact that she can speak and he can read and write doesn't actually help either one of them. Because they can't, mm-hmm. they still can't communicate. They don't mm-hmm. have a common language apart mm-hmm. from from their gestures. So it's almost like a cruel joke. Like the, the the two of them together still do not make one full set of communication abilities. Yeah, and so I mean, so yeah, so Obsidian uh, is 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 a cop. Was a cop. Is pretending to be a cop. Um, I mean, he he flashes a badge and he has uh, a gun, um, and uh, you know he he's he drives onto the scene as the bus has stopped and, and is slowly rocking as the uh, the fight has sort of erupted, you know, like has escaped its boundaries of the two guys, uh, and now has erupted into probably the, the you know other people on the bus. So he he arrives and. Um, and after a bit, you know, like, uh, yeah, he's sort of ineffective, um, but effective enough to mm-hmm. sort of just present enough of an obstacle so that the, you know, the people on the bus sort of lose interest. Uh, well, he throws a, a gas grenade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's, the oh that, you're right. You're right. I forgot about, all about the, the tear gas. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it also I helps that he. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it also helps that he has a revolver on his hip that uh, you know keeps a little bit of some mm-hmm. semblance of a control. <laughs> I I love the point that um, Rye makes that. So like it's it's not even just that people have lost their abilities to read and write and 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 understand speech. There, there's also seems to be some other element of like losing some of your rational faculties. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like people seem to be a bit more enthralled to their own emotions. So Rye makes the point that like the the bus driver is struggling to grasp that 
like he was breaking up the fight, which is saving the bus driver from having his bus destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bus driver is just like, you put all this smoke in my bus. What the <laughs> hell, dude? Um, and, and you know, Rai also explains that, like, presumably he just has a bus and just drives around following the old bus routes. Mm-hmm. And you basically barter. He has, like, pictures up of stuff that you barter for to get on the bus. Yes, and that I if love the bus that. doesn't run, he, yeah. you know, he doesn't eat, his family doesn't eat. Um, and, and so I, I love that dynamic of, of like, like, even if you recognize that this guy, even if we recognize like, okay, the guy is trying to, you know, break up a fight. Nobody's very happy about it (laughs) because they're like, what the hell, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, uh, and it, so I, I do feel like upon recollection, um, the the sort of like the the scenes or the way that this story is put together doesn't doesn't fit together well in my memory <laughs> hmm. which might be which might actually be some of the style coming through um because like it, it's it's odd um so it, it feels sort of very hijinksy that suddenly uh, and again this is uh, to your to your point Kurt uh probably Rye um sort of like letting her feelings take over like like you know they they she she hasn't been with anybody in a bit and so they 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 have sex in the back seat of the car mm-hmm. um and then she's like well you know what i don't need to worry about uh like like i i'm with you know, I'm with Obsidian now. Uh, we can stay together now. And, uh, you know, like my family in Pasadena. Well, I don't need to I don't need to investigate that. I don't need to solve that mystery today. Ah, so so l- let me fill in some of the blanks, because I just got to reading this like half an hour ago. So so what I like, one of the things I like about the story is how much of it is is purely internal by mm-hmm. almost by necessity like the style is very sparse and matter of fact which i think is what you're kind of getting at with like it's it 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 is a little bit hard to hold s- some of the events in your head because we don't get much context apart from just pure pure experience like rye the the language in the story is very it's not quite sparse but it's not it's very un unornamented um, mm-hmm. there's, there's very little in the way of those kind of like flights of, you know, poetic prose. It's, it's very much just kind of describing things for the most part in a fairly matter of fact way. Um, and Rye seems to be conveying this simultaneously a, a terror and justified paranoia of everyone around her all the times, like all the time. Like she is in constant danger. She feels under threat from sexual violence. She mentions that, you know, like, like if, if, uh, two of the people from the bus basically like makes sexual propositions to her that are also kind of threats. And she kind of, you know, thinks about like, you know, if they were to try to rape me, probably nobody would help. And also if I were to shoot one of them, probably nobody would help them. Either it just seems like a total mm-hmm. breakdown of connection between people. So when she's she's really taken aback when Obsidian like b- asks her essentially like Are you interested in having sex? Mm-hmm. Um, right, basically, and she's very taken aback by it and is like not quite. T- and she, she 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 says outright like the fact that he asks and she doesn't feel threatened by him 
or at least she feels less threatened by him is like a real novelty. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah. I, I think the, the, the so, story is really ultimately in, in that interaction is about connections between people. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of degenerated to such a basic level. Talk that, about the neighbor with the garden. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. 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 So, so like she has, she has the, this neighbor across the street who has basically two, two women who live with him and presumably are in, you know, some kind of relationship with him who take care of his garden. And he offers some degree of, of protection, but he's like threatening and has been kind of, you know, indicating that he wants her to be the third woman. Um, and so she's in, in obsidian. I think she, and she talks about this fairly directly that like, it's rare that you encounter a man who has, as much control of himself as obsidian seems to. Um, And he seems to kind of remind her of not just like the way things used to be, but like the ability to actually have a connection and to understand people on more than just like a purely basic level. So I, I, although you're right, they do just kind of go from like driving away from a brawl to having sex fairly quickly. I think on the one hand, it's emphasizing that need for, for connection and on the other it's kind of demonstrating how many of our interactions require language to make sense because think about it like why does it seem strange to us that they go from just having met to having sex fairly quickly it's because we're expecting to have all these interactions and getting to know each other and talking and getting comfortable with each other but without language they can't get to know each other apart from just being like well this guy seems less dangerous from from those guys over there like they they know each other almost to the extent that they will ever be able to know each other so mm-hmm. yeah all, all that to say it's it's conveyed in like a subtextual way that i i thought was very well done through what taking a step back does read like disconnected somewhat erratic events mm-hmm. i i also liked rise um it's almost it's kind of secondary to the whole idea of like this guy like if whether she could trust obsidian or not but the idea of like she she definitely does not want to bring another kid into this world because she's like he'll grow up to be a hairless chimp or something like that something like she said um and it's not until he like flashes the condom then she's like oh yeah fully on board (laughs) like um but i i it's it's you know everything's fully thought thought through and and it's a really it's really well done so I mean, and, and so to to reengage, and, and and to be clear, I, I wasn't like you know, like I wasn't playing the the whole. Well, they 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 just decide to have sex as a joke because it, I I feel like I mean honestly, it's not it's not funny, and also it's not treated as like something to shy away from. It's like you were saying, Kurt. I feel like it's very well, sort of like thought out and on the page exactly how rye is accepting this and um and so it's it's sort of a shock that um not long after she's made the decision to well they can hang you know they can stay together for a bit um that uh basically uh you know, Obsidian stops because he almost runs over this woman that's like shrieking and running away and being chased by uh, an, an older man. Uh, and I forget he's carrying a weapon of some sort. It, yeah, it like it's a, a, bo- a bone pairing a, knife. That's like a, what it was. Yes. Like a long, thin nut blade, basically. 
Yeah. And so, uh, basically, um, you know, like he attacks the woman, uh, obsidian jumps out and, you know, like basically threatens him with his gun. Um, and in the, in the, I forget does he hit the guy on the head? What, what happens? I forget. He threatens him. The guy kind of is like, oh, you know, I'll give up. He's leaning in to do something. Uh, and that's the right. Guy and he grabs, grabs, his, his gun. grabs his gun. Yeah. And, uh, and shoots, basically shoots Obsidian dead on the spot. Um, and, uh, but Rye basically shoots him before he can, you know, sort of swivel around and shoot her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, uh, the kids, you know, basically she sees the kids, uh, who she assumes are, were under the protection of the woman or were her children you know explicitly or what what have you and she's like oh shit you know she she she's gonna leave and she's like shit now i saw them i can't i can't just leave them here and she's just like sort of debating once again you know like having to take care of children that can't speak that can't understand language um and you know basically one of them speaks and she realizes that yeah they they can both speak actually hmm but they they've been instructed not to. Well, and- there's a dimension that recurs throughout the story where, and, and Rye feels it herself. She feels this rising, like violent anger at the fact that Obsidian can read and write still. And she mentions that she was a history teacher. She wrote manuscripts and books, and her house is still filled with these these books that she cares about as objects, but that. Like she can no longer ever read. They're they're locked off from her. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that Obsidian is able to do these things that she isn't m- makes her want to kill him, basically. And she 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 speculates, you know, how much of it is just jealousy, how much of it is, you know, the the impact of the disease. Um, she mentions that she kind of sees a similar jealousy in in Obsidian when she tells him that 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 she can speak and understand language. Um and and so like the the kids have been instructed to not let on that they can talk because people will literally just kill you out of jealous rage by if they realize that you have more communication abilities than than them that they have lost basically and, right. and so like they're even like the kids are terrified when she reveals that she can speak and the boy tries to like get her to stop to like stop speaking too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, the the boy cup covers her her, her yeah. mouth, um, and like you know that that's basically uh, she you know, right then and there she makes the decision that yeah the the she could teach them you know and she basically tells him you know what, what was it I'm Valerie Rye and you can speak to me yeah it's yeah. okay to talk to me yeah it, what what I like is um about the ending is she actually decides to that. That she needs to, so like she basically resolves. She she reasons to herself like they're old enough to become scavengers. They'll be fine. I can't deal with this. You know, the, the, I don't need more people to to take care of. And she's about to drive off, and then she kind of snaps out of it and is like, "Wait, I'm like I'm about to leave two toddlers," um, hmm. which adds some extra context to how how thin her rationalization was um, of you know just wanting to get away like. Mm-hmm. Like her, her connection to other people has become so thin that she's almost losing touch with her own empathy 
for mm. other people. Um, well, yeah. And and then, it, then she decides to go back for them, and then they reveal that they can speak. So she's mm-hmm. actually already kind of decided, okay, I do need to save them before they reveal their, that, yeah. that, that they can talk. And it's no coincidence that um, she had also lost her own children. Um, yes. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also think um, uh, apart from from that uh, as well, because you know that that is a character, um, sort of like a, a character development uh, you know point. Uh, I also think that it's a really uh, clever, without being sort of like you know tapping on the shoulder or you know poking in the eye with it. Here I am, stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's an inversion of a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff that you see out there where it's you know, watch out for number one, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. can't trust anyone, you know, and it, 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 it sort of does point out that, yeah, it's not just, you know, like weird gun toting freaks out there. There's going to be toddlers. There's going to, uh, you know, there, there's going to be all sorts of people uh, out there. Um, and, and here I'm going to circle back and, and reach for that pin Pete, because one of the things that, really struck me about this book or I'm sorry, this story coming out in 83 and I'm not even going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that up until that point, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff that um, is very, uh, very sort of tabula rasa. You know, the, the, the earth has been wiped clean and now it is our duty to repopulate it or something to that effect where where you can you know sort of like just go about with impunity right mm-hmm. uh yeah now i i i was mentioning uh i wasn't going to look up the publishing date but uh lucifer's hammer for instance is a is a good example of of exactly the opposite <laughs> it's right. exactly what i was talking about it's the exactly the opposite uh, sort of like point is made in that uh, in all of that book. Yeah, well, Walden is written by Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but one of the things that struck me here, apart from like you know having the lingering effects of society just be around, is in fact the the idea of like this is almost like a spl- like a slow apocalypse, right? Where it's mm-hmm. things have broken down. They've, they've really, they're really run down now, but people are still like, like the dude that's just like driving a bus. Mm-hmm. Well, this was is, he ever, yeah. Was he is, ever a bus this driver? Is, this is Mad Max one. If you've ever seen the mm, first yeah. Mad Max, movie, yes. where it's like, that's a good it's, analogy. It's not really, it's, it's like shading into apocalypse, little bits and pieces at a time. And some areas are in full apocalypse mode and other areas are almost, you know, almost still civilized, but clearly it sucks to be there and things are going downhill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, it struck me, um, the, the, the feeling that this uh, story gave me was, I mean, obviously different tones, uh, but, but it, it reminded me a lot of like pump six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, okay. So here's something that occurred to me after I finished that pump six does, but this doesn't, what, what did they call the kind of like degenerated people in the, in the troglodytes, six? the trogs? Yeah. What did they call them in, in this? People. They're, they're exactly, they're just people. They're not, mm. they're not dehumanized, which mm. I think really sets this apart from a lot of apocalypse type movies is that or, or movies, books, stories, whatever. There's no, there's no real othering 
of the people who are the furthest away from you know civilized mm-hmm. uh they're they're not treated like an environmental hazard they're treated like regular people who have some degree of impairment and are dangerous and and threatening and so they're not just cannon fodder right they're they're not just an obstacle to be run over or driven through which is you know the typical norm for post apocalyptic type type literature everyone is a threat therefore everyone is is disposable and i think that this story goes out of its way to be like okay these people are threats but just like in regular life people can be threats but not be disposable so rye mm-hmm. goes out of her way to you know to stay out of trouble to avoid conflict to back away but at the same time just even just trying to back away she she mentions like that makes other people realize that you think that you see yourself as apart from them and they might try to kill you just because you're acting different. So I, I thought it was a really interesting divergence from the way that this sort of a story could could have been structured. I'd and, like to do a brief digression, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go ahead. Have you, have you, okay, have you guys ever seen the Twilight Zone episode Wordplay? It was, mm. it was the 85-86. Oh, probably uh, not. No, okay. I definitely yeah. haven't. Then I, no. okay. Well, it was written by Rock Neil ba- Banyan, who did mm. Farscape, and mm. uh, it came right after Speech Sounds. And it's a it's about a guy who's sitting at his desk at an office, and um, somebody's like, "Hey, we should go out for dinosaur," and he's like, "What?" Hmm. He's like, "We should go out for dinosaur." Like by the end of the day, people are pointing at him. Pointing at him when his phone is ringing, going hinge, water the iris, like all of his <laughs> words get scrambled. Wow! And at the end of the day, he's in his chil- his children child's room, and he's got a like a picture book open, and there's a picture of a dog, and he's like Wednesday, Wednesday, and like that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life, and I always sort of associate the two th- the that and this in my mind like that one was more like personal it's sort of happening to an individual who can escape and then this one having somebody who's part well partially escaped it is not the right way to say it but like is still connected enough to the past to really feel the horror Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean and that's that is one of the things i like so much about octavia butler is that she um uh well, she doesn't create gods. It's like we're mm-hmm. we're like it's like everything is from the viewpoint of the vulnerable, and she doesn't often stick to one perspective. So everyone is vulnerable, and that mm-hmm. is, I I just think it's extraordinary. Hmm. What I yeah, what, one of the things that I really liked was the way that. There's there's this very clear sense of loss that I think suffuses this particular story that you normally only get little bits and pieces of in a in an apocalypse type story like this. Like most apocalypse stories have a couple moments of normalcy, right? Mm. That they use as like an emotional heightening point to remind you of what they've lost. You know, and usually it ends cruelly, just like it kind of does in this. You know, this even has its own its own moment where it's like, oh, you know, she's found someone. She's kind of developing some kind of an understanding with Obsidian. Boom, he's done. He's done for. He's gone. Um, But instead of that loss only being there, 
it, it's throughout the entire piece where like at some level you get the impression that Ryan Obsidian want to be able to connect with other people. And that's the real loss is not, is not the normalcy. It's not like the comforts of the world. It's just the ability to understand other people, both literally understand as in their communications and then to understand their internal lives and, mm-hmm. and who they are. And, and I, I think the story very smartly makes this point that uh, the inability to understand other people is itself a danger. The reason mm-hmm. that the fight breaks out is because they can't diffuse it. They can't talk to each other. They, they have no tools to to interact. The reason that she's afraid of Obsidian is because she can't ask him, what's your deal? Tell me about what the fuck you have going on. What are you? Are, are you a cop? Do you just drive around killing people? She she can't even like really pick up like what's his personality. We we don't know. He could be anything, and it all comes from that loss of the ability to connect with people. And and again, rather than just using that 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 connection as an isolated moment, it becomes the entire story, which I think very much changes the 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 apocalypse literature tone. Let's say. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think uh, quite obviously this this story has a, a lot of resonance today where it feels like, you know, certain sections of the population are going in a way that like we can't communicate with them. Like they're like, you know, like the QAnon or like, you know, the, all the people hyped up in this like trans hysteria stuff like they're, they're just like they're in this own their own little reality. And there's they're just completely different communication among them, well, like among themselves versus well, well, bef- before we go f- too far in that direction, sure. Um, I, I want to point out that I think it's happening to all of us, right? Mm. Um, to a certain extent, uh, I forget if it was a, a recent Chapo episode or, or whomever it was. You know, basically, we, we're slowly being trained to be in an eternal now, right? We're we're constantly scrolling. You know, like like part of the problem that you're you're mentioning, Chris, is the fact that we are just continually online. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things about being online that I think, uh, Kurt, you've you've mentioned in in. If not in your cyber, your your cyberspace article in Bloodknife, uh, perhaps uh, offline sometime, the fact that we are online, it, it, it's basically like putting a persona that is actually us yeah. out into that space. And we're constantly like the, the, the problem is that it is almost as if we're putting a facsimile of our psyche out to be wounded continually by continual scrolling, like all this, you know, like all this shit coming at you all the time, you know, yeah. and you can just keep on scrolling and it's it never fucking ends. Um, and the fact that, you know, like even I, you know, I know that QAnon's not real. But at the same time, like I, I'm starting to wonder if a lot of our our brains are smoothening, you're getting smoothed <laughs> over, you know, by the fact that we are we're we're in an eternal now. We're being taught by you know, like social media and the internet, and all of online is designed to both be an irritant and something that you're going to be irrefer- you know, irrecoverably. Uh, uh, addicted to. Mm-hmm. I I bought a lockbox for work, and I I now put my phone in it. That is brilliant. 
uh, Pete, you know, you don't, you don't have to hide it. We know you, you now work for the NSA. That's just standard <laughs> protocol. You know, Pete, not all of us have the privilege to be able to put our phones away. Some of us have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? Some of us anxiety. have anxiety. I can't put my phone away. No, no, no. What, what if something happens with my kids, Pete? Do you want my, something terrible to happen to my kids? Is that what you're asking for? No, well, um, get, get, give me a minute to think about it. Uh, <laughs> well, all, all what are the ramifications need, you know, for Pete? You, you know, you know How what, does Kurt? this affect me, the protagonist? <laughs> Kurt, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and buy you. We'll, we're going to return, but yeah. it's for beepers. <laughs> Can't scroll on a fucking beeper, can you? Uh, anyway. No, you can. You can. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess you can. I, 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 I you think I had about it. Yeah, I think I had like a beeper for about two seconds. You know, like in 91 or something like that. <laughs> my, my dad had a beeper um, for uh, when he was at work and he would go on his lunch. They had a beeper that they would bring bring with them in case there was something that like, like, w- what if the station like went off the air and, and he had to go back right away. But you he, gotta didn't, push, he didn't have it all the time, I don't think. Yeah, you got to push the button where the clamp video shows, you know, like closer to the R God and uh, oh, <laughs> pastoral yes. scenes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anyway, I, I do want to point out uh, one thing that I've been really sort of like th- going back and forth on. Um, and I think I, I, I'm pretty sure that Butler probably thought of this. Um Maybe I'm just being a lunkhead, but one of the angles that I was thinking of is like, well, so granted, you know, Rye isn't one of the people that lives near, I guess maybe doesn't live near a a community of deaf people, but, but, you know, like I was thinking like, so what would like, because they, they do have, uh, and and it's demonstrated in the, in the story that they do have like a, a sort of like a very uh, ad hoc uh, improvise sign language to sort of get, you know, basic things across and stuff like that. But, you know, like would someone who's deaf and I'm going to guess, yes, if it is something that attacks language and the connecting, like what connects language to the symbols that you make, mm-hmm. I would imagine that that would also like, I was like thinking, well, why doesn't everyone just l- like learn sign language? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, hold on. <laughs> It's the same. It's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the well, language is, centers of the brain. It's an interesting question. Like even if we assume that the people who had sign language would lose it, that doesn't mean you wouldn't be able to learn it. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. could you learn? Could you learn to write a different language? No, no. She specifically says, once huh. you've lost it, you can never get it back. Uh. She. Uh, but what if it's something new is my point. Well, I mean, the, I think that the the uh, question that's left in the air uh, and, and Rye thinks about it and she says, well, you know, maybe these these kids, I forget if she's she said that, you know, maybe these kids like were born after or before the, the virus hit or something. To, she says I they've been exactly. around long enough that they would have been infected at some point if it was going to happen. And so she basically says, like, maybe it's dying down. Like, maybe yeah. they're just not going to get infected. Like, Or maybe they did, but it doesn't attack them in the same way. So it mm. is like a little bit of – it is like like a little glimmer of hope. Oh, um, you know, I as I'm thinking about this, Kurt, I'm going to flip and say I agree with you on the whole sign language issue. And the reason is, is that Octavia Butler is the DM. 
<laughs> and but, well, there's just there's no easy out in her world. Well, here's mm. here, here's my you know thought through explanation because I was thinking about that a bit when they were using the hand gestures. I think the difference is is symbolic representation of of like complex concepts mm-hmm. is what it seems to come down to because there's really there's really two vectors, right? There's the loss of the ability to communicate and then there's some degree of just like intellectual impairment. Um and and so it seems like people are limited to very very simple like gestures it's, and they they seem unable to codify specific meanings like when she's like pointing right right like like they can point um you know obsidian like touches her on the thigh when he's like hey you wanna like eh? Eh? but but like she kind of has to figure out like the, the, they the, there's no there's no shared connection they kind of just have to like get guess stuff apart she says though but alternately, maybe the uh, maybe the difference is um, uh, profanity, and uh, I've heard anecdotally, and maybe this is a total urban like urban myth or or whatever. I, I I've heard that when people do lose language ability from from strokes, they tend to still be able to curse fairly well, or at least hmm. like cursing tends to be like one of the things that that will stick in hmm. uh, it. It, it just feels like so I, good. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that, um, like, uh, one of the things that I, 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 w- I kept on, because I, I know that Rye gives the explanation, right? But again, you know, we, we're not, like, she herself is sort of, like, unreliable because she cannot necessarily, like, the way it's written she is losing sort of she's lost some some equilibrium emotionally and stuff like that because you know like we were discussing um you know like she she's much more willing to go with the flow if it, things feel good or whatever um and, and like you said kurt you know like she she has to sort of snap out of it right at, right near the end where she's like Jesus Christ, I was going to leave these kids behind. What the hell's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I keep on, like I kept on thinking about, uh, you know, since we're talking about like, you know, sort of like disability in general um, is the fact that basically everyone in this world is disabled um, because part of, I, I feel like almost part of the cognitive uh, module that we we use in everyday things that helps us get through things. And like you said, Kurt, de-escalate, you know, misunderstandings and stuff like that is in fact language. And so like just not being able to use language or make connections between, you know, this word means, means this um, in our brains then means that you know, like we, yeah, there's just so much there <laughs> that we depend on that we then immediately would be plunged into some sort of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. twilight, <laughs> uh, twilight era of, of humanity, you know, because we, we can't even read signs. Yeah. Or maybe hey, some of us could. And and that was an interesting aspect of, of her version of the apocalypse too, is, is the idea that like, just, just the, the breakdown in communication would ultimately lead to like, you know, the complete 
um, you know, dismantling of the government. Like there's no like organized thing because you can't organize if you can't communicate. You can't organize. You can't. Yeah. yeah, you, you, yeah I mean, it, think, think of, think, Chris, you, you work, you work in a, in a profession that is nothing but externalized memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so it, it's, it, it, you know, it, it makes logical sense, but it's not something that you would immediately think about. But when, when that beat hit in the story, you're like, oh yeah, of course that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that um, Rye struggles to read a map, not just mm. the words on the map, but actually like to understand the map itself. And she kind of has to like work backwards from like, well, I know, I know that, you know, it's 10 miles from wherever it is to Pasadena and that Pasadena is probably about this size. Like, like even it's, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't even seem simply like she can't read the word Pasadena on the map. It also seems like she just struggles with the concept of a map mm-hmm. now, basically, mm-hmm. even though, yeah. you know, she, she once would have been able to. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in, in one sense, uh, one of the things that, 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 uh, I was also thinking about, um, and, and Pete, I think you've read this before, but I, I don't know that either Kurt or Chris has, but, um, the, the, the idea of losing, uh, like resources, like knowledge resources, like written, the written word, for instance, just made me think of, uh, Earth Abides, mm-hmm. where there's that whole sequence where he's like, you know, like the the kid that he knew was sort of like the chosen one, so to speak. His kid that was smart enough to understand, like you know, some some abstract math concepts and stuff like that. He he was like basically you know, training him, and he's like, and and one day I'll open up that library. You know, I'll remove the chains, and then the kid dies, and he's like, well, and he looks around at the community, and all the kids are playing. You know, they're very flighty. Uh, you know, just doing kid stuff, but not, not in a way that he sort of deemed smart enough. Mm. Yeah. And he just goes, goes back and like his grief in his grief, just opens up the, opens up the library or locks it up for the last time. I forget exactly which one it is. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, he just it's needed it's, to get some, uh, some, uh, some manga and some light novel in that library, <laughs> and the kids would have loved it. <laughs> I, I hear that that's the big thing these days. It is shockingly, surprisingly, <laughs> what a load of crap! They should be watching. They should be watching good old nineteen eighties super violent anime like I did growing <laughs> up. It's good enough for me. It yes. good en- it's good enough for them now. Look, yeah. everyone needs to have like ninja sword uh, or ninja scroll <laughs> that has like the commercial breaks on a like on the 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 highest uh recording setting on a vhs so you get all those scan lines in there baby does modern anime have uh commercials on late night tv warning you about this is adults this is your grandpa's cartoons yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you remember those akira ones oh yes but oh by the way you people have uh people have like uploaded vhs tape recordings of like late night anime from the sci-fi channel and like from, uh, from like 1996 on youtube with the commercials wow. and everything so you can you can go and watch like vampire hunter d and shit if you want with, <laughs> that's with, you know, te- awesome teenage mutant ninja turtles uh playset commercials and shit well shit you, you're, you're reminding me kurt that one of our one of our uh pr- projects that we were thinking of a while back do you remember 
watch an old like a oh yeah like a, a 70s or 80s era you know like block of children's television oh, yeah that would be amazing. i remember that yeah i still want to do that yeah. <laughs> um one of these days one of these days i have one last thing that i want to say about uh, uh, about the story which is um i sometimes rarely it's happened maybe three or four times uh lose the ability to read and this sounds like a ridiculous statement but I I get migraines and my my migraines eh, they're 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 bad when they happen but they only happen now probably three or four times a year or something like that like like an actual bad one sometimes I get like like a little one that's just like a headache and I'm like well I know that this is a migraine because I feel a certain way I forget what it's called uh is it a prodrome no uh I I for, yeah like an aura I think or a prodrome the term like like unrelated effects to the headache and over the last few years, one of the things I've started getting occasionally, and I should get this checked up by a neurologist just to be on, 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 the, on the safe side, listeners, I will, I promise, um, is I will get like tunnel vision and um, which like if you've never had it, like literally like you can only focus on like you, you lose your peripheral vision, literally like you like you can only see the thing you're looking at. And that includes like a word. So like. I will be looking at my phone screen or at a book and I will be able to read the word that I am looking at, but I can't see the words on either side of it. And so I need to like, you need to like try to like hold in your head, like what word you're looking at and then assemble a sentence in your, and it's, it's very difficult to read if you can't see the words on either side of it, I have to say. And so this will usually only last for about like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but it is, I would say it's a little bit scary, but much more so than being scary was very, very aggravating. Like I was mm. so fucking frustrated the first time that this happened um, that it like it about drove me up the damn wall. Like I wanted to smash my fucking phone. I was so frustrated trying to read and be like, I know that I can read like I, I know that I know how to read. And I'm trying to read a sentence and like I'll read the sentence and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And it's because I'm like. Like I think that I'm reading in a straight line, but my eyes have actually like skipped one line up or or one line down. Um, and so I was thinking about that as I was reading the story, and I was like, it, it's interesting that the story chose to depict it not not just as like despair, but as like aggravation, just the mm. frustration, the anger of not mm -hmm. not being able to do the thing you fucking know how to do. Mm. Um, and I thought it captured that quite well, and it definitely it definitely resonated with, with me with my periodic bouts of irritation from from losing the ability to read. Blessed though it might be, if I am trying to read Twitter, perhaps I'm better off not. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a confession of any kind, guys. But one of the things that interested me about that, Kurt, is it's the exact opposite experience of trying to read when you're on acid. Hmm. <laughs> Because like when you're trying to when you're trying to read or concentrate on anything on acid, you've got the sensory overload where your traditional filters of like this isn't important, mm. so I'm not paying attention to it are gone, and so you have everything at once. So you like have to drill down to the point where you're seeing one word, and then you mm. go to the next one. And, and, and so, that word and that word is. Oh, yes. Well, my, my point, my point is like on acid in order to read, you have to force yourself to do the thing that you desperately want to stop. Right. 
So one thing, another thing I want to comment on here, guys, is that unfortunately I am on this episode, so that means it's probably not going to run an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) But it's your call, Carlo. That's not you know that's that's not rebellion. (laughs) I'll bench Pete forever. (laughs) No, no. You're getting on the bench. I never wanted to be on the podcast anyway. Bye. (laughs) Oh wait, wait. I have a question, and it's. It has a simple answer, maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the only Octavia Butler story that that I've read. I'm sure that mm-hmm. I'll read more soon. Is is this story written in her usual style, or is it is it different in some way? Does she have a usual style? I, I think I, I know nothing about her apart okay, from you so know, like biographical details. I think the um, the sort of almost um, sort of journalistic uh, approach to description and stuff like that is very much her style it is much i i think it's much more um perhaps she's exaggerating or emphasizing you know it for effect here right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i do feel like a like i i think i i've read i read the first uh short story in this collection called blood child and it feels very much very very similar uh but but even more similar to this is uh Something like parable for uh, of the sower. Mm-hmm. She's really good with dialogue, mm-hmm. and so in that respect, this short story differed because there wasn't a lot of dialogue. It was, and it was, you know, perforce stilted. I just used perforce in a sentence. I will never do that again until death. <laughs> pretty, pretty, sir. Do it. Do what, what that with. <laughs> Well, we'll see you back in Fortnite, Pete. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The the thing that I, I, it's been a while since I've read um, any Butler. I've read the, the pattern master series. What's the um, Clay's Ark? Is that the main story name of it? I I forget. I forget. Uh, But anyway, uh, so it's been a while. All I remember is that like this, this, her, this story reminds me of how like she just has a very nice, clear way of writing, and that it's but like it's still with like with style, uh, like it's still you know well, it's clear but w- clear and well written. Like it's just that's kind of like if she has a style, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, do do we have any other last thoughts? It, it's it's 13 pages guys you you can you can type speech pa- sounds pdf and pull it up for free read the story <laughs> it's good it's it's good it's mm-hmm. different from what i was expecting i was expecting something much more like like i don't want to say something silly but like fancy writing you know and it's it's not hoity-toity it's not not hoity-toity but I, I i was expecting it to be much more poetic and instead it's very it's very focused and crisp and, and clear um but uh, w- without while still being evocative so it's it's mm-hmm. it's uh it reminded me of you know a, a lesser scene style I, I i would say in in uh in sci-fi so i yeah. enjoyed it yeah. i enjoyed it a lot it was good it's good story yeah it, it, it's fun too i i i like i think that's maybe sometimes gets lost in discussions like this but that you know it's it's not just like has all these heady ideas it's it's also just a fun like story mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i actually um when Carlos said that, like it doesn't, it doesn't make light of of the sex. I actually th- think it kind of does a little bit because she, you know, Rye kind of acknowledges like the absurdity of the situation, where she just mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. start, like when he gets up the the uh, 
the condom, she, yeah. she just kind of like starts laughing, like yeah. not out of like mockery, but just kind of like at how absurd <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Also, condoms are just kind of funny. I, I uh, yeah, and they do it in the backseat of the car. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, like like yeah, like the the like within within yards of where the bus was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and it's like a a, a bo- like a, a bombed out neighborhood, not not bombed out, but I, I mean like just empty and a shell of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's nobody around. It, it is. It is. Yeah, you're you're right, Kurt. It it is sort of funny, but it is funny within the context it's not like we're yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to laugh it's, at them yeah it's funny haha not funny ho ho <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit funny sorry yeah it's all good all right um anyway yeah and 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 if if anyone wants uh, any more butler yeah go go read blood child and then you'll you'll tweet at me or whatever and be like what the fuck carlo what would <laughs> you make me read this um it's it's very good uh it's just very got Lots of layers. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> like an onion. Like an onion. Yes. Good suggestion, Pete. Yeah. Glad you liked it. All right. Well, uh, I think that is it. Uh, Pete, thanks for the suggestion. Gents, we'll, I guess we'll be back soon enough. And to everyone else out there, thanks again for listening in. Go read the story, and we'll catch you next time here on Podside. Side.